Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. Um, I'm excited today to be talking about intimacy in our relationships after we have children. I know so many of us really struggle um, communicating our needs with our significant other, making time for our relationship, feeling touched out and not wanting to be physically intimate. Um, So we dive into all of this today. I am joined by one of the best, Dr. Tracy Douglas. Um, She has her own podcast. She is a clinical psychologist and couples therapist. She helps women and mothers build healthy relationships and learn to be their best selves by helping them let go of guilt, communicate their needs, and set boundaries in their life. She does this through therapy, her workshop. She has a ton of online resources um, on her on her webpage and in her blog. Um, and if you follow her on Instagram, her Instagram handle is dr.tracyd. She is creating some amazing, amazing content around relationships, how to communicate, how to connect with each other. Um, so make sure that you go give her a follow. And if you enjoy this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. And let's get started. Cheers. So welcome, Tracy. I'm so excited that you are joining me on the Mimosas with Moms podcast. Kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, Abby, thank you for having me here. I'm so glad we were able to finally connect and do this together. So I'm a clinical psychologist and couples therapist in Ottawa, Ontario. I help individuals and couples navigate the challenges that we all face in our relationships and within ourselves. So I see clients with a variety of presentations and difficulties coping, whether it's postpartum depression or anxiety or dealing with difficult emotions or just the stuff that shows up in our relationship that so many of us deal with. And I, I do I do my work mostly through therapy, through couples therapy, but I've also been doing wellness seminars. You, you know I'm on Instagram offering posts and tips to help people improve their relationship. And then also through other e-learning, like through my own podcast or through an e-course or a membership space for women. Yeah. Um, I'm the owner of Integrated Wellness. It's a mental health clinic, clinic here in Ottawa, Ontario. And we are a group of practitioners that provide psychological assessments, therapy for individuals, couples, and families. And the biggest thing that makes me who I am is that I'm a mom. I have two young kids at home, and I'm also a wife to my partner. So Tracy, kind of tell us about your journey becoming a mom and what your road was that you had to navigate your relationship post Partum. <laughs> I, I like to joke that I used to think going through my PhD was the hardest yeah. thing I would ever do. Right. And I have to say that that is absolutely not true. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sitting in a room, typing, writing, reading, researching um, about one thing was really hard, but becoming a mom has been the hardest thing for me. It and is. when I look back, the biggest thing that stands out for me in terms of the relationship piece is that we just don't prepare our relationship for for motherhood for parenthood 
We don't, right. we don't take the course. I mean, I certainly had the nursery set up. I had the perfect birth plan that didn't go according to plan. You know, <laughs> that was all there. But did yeah. we take a relationship course? Absolutely not. And right. while we know all of the, you know, I know the tools to help couples communicate and improve their security and their connection, their intimacy. Yeah. It's, it's still hard when you're going through it um, as parents. And I think the, you know, I think of one story that really hits home about what it's like to be a new parent. And I can remember sitting on the couch nursing, you know, hours and days of nursing and or feeding your baby, however it is. Um, and my partner had just kind of walked out the door to go cut the grass. And so here I yeah. am holding baby and I'm starting to feel this kind of inkling of resentment. And I know yeah. that's a common feeling that women talk about. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how am I the default parent? That he's yes. just, and it's the irony about cutting the grass is actually a few years before that I insisted that my husband teach me how to cut the grass. <laughs> um, but in that moment, I was thinking, okay, so here are expectations that we have of each other that are not being communicated. We grew up with different models of parents and what that means, right? So who's your role model? Who are you modeling after? And then also our own expectations and desires and needs. We just weren't talking about them. And we were hoping to fall into place in parenthood without ever truly saying, hey, this isn't working for me. Yeah. And I think that that's a great point that you bring up, the resentment piece. And I think so many moms go through this, especially in new motherhood, when you're in that postpartum stage, you're, you've, you're breastfeeding, you've got a little baby with all their needs on you, you know, and they're attached to you and you're just consumed in this. And it's so easy to get trapped in this cycle of resentment towards your partner. It's not fair that you can just like get up in the morning and get ready and get out the door when I have to get up and I have to nurse and then I can get ready and then I have to nurse and then I can get out the door. You know what I mean? And so how can we, I guess, better communicate or better prepare ourselves or share some of this with our husband so that we're not just bottling all this resentment. And then one day he doesn't put the sh his shoes in the closet and you just blow up out of nowhere. And he's like, what in the world? But it's really like this whole thing that has gotten you to this place. It, it's been the leading up. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, ideally we could all start before we give birth. That, that would right. be the ideal place. And I'm sure many people landing on this episode will not be in that place. It's a very <laughs> you know, special time. But ideally, yeah. we can start talking about and And there's never too late of a time to start having this conversation. Right. But talking about, you know, what did you learn growing up watching your parents? What roles did they play? What yeah. roles do you hope to play? as we are parents. And, and the reason I think there's no late, no, it's not too late to have this conversation is that we're, we should always be readjusting and reevaluating our roles, depending on the demands that are happening. I mean, here we are in a pandemic, the demands right. are certainly different <laughs> right. um, versus then what they were before we've had more supports before. So having that conversation, so this is kind of a, you know, we're feeling good. Someone's not, you know, got their hand going out the door, but having that, I like to call it like the dining room table conversation where you sit down, you're shoulder to shoulder, and you're saying, let's talk about something that's happening between us. What kind of roles are you playing? What, what's working? What's not? I think that's the most important thing. And I highly recommend to couples, you know, try to find a weekly meeting where you yeah. can have this relationship check-in. 
many couples don't do this. The relationship check-in can be so important because it, it avoids or kind of sidestep the conversation of, we need to talk. Where I'm like, you know what, we're going to drop the ball. Or on the flip side, where you blow the roof. Just blow up, yep. You left the shoes again. Yeah. So so scheduling something in your relationship that allows you to have frequent check-in points so that we're not holding things in, we're communicating what's happening for us, and we're checking in with each other. And it doesn't have to be a conversation of, you don't do these things, but more of a, how can I support you? And what do I need for support? Yeah. Resentment tells me that it's overwhelming. There are needs that are not being met. There might be loss of emotional connection, but that there's something going on in the relationship. So it often starts out with anger and frustration, and then we don't share that. We don't offload some of it in a healthy way. And when we hold on to it, it's like resentment. The resentment builds up. Yeah. So coming together and being able to have that conversation together, I have um, lots of different tips on my Instagram page where it's kind of, instead of saying this, try this. And And your Instagram page is just like chocked full of great, great content. So if you're not following Tracy, go do it (laughs) because it is amazing the work that you are putting in there. Thank you. Um, I I think it it all comes down to how we communicate with our partners. And and I think this works both ways. So it's not just about um, one partner going to them and talking about it. We've got to be able to come together, being open and being curious. In a relationship, you are bringing two separate people together. And we each have our own thoughts, feelings, our perceptions of the world, our desires, our wishes and needs. And inevitably, you're going to view things differently. So if I go back to the mowing the lawn example, when I'm holding you know, yeah. my newborn baby, my partner thought he was helping out. He was doing something for the household to get it done. He had right. no idea that I was feeling like the default parent. And when we hold things down, when we hold our emotions in, it's kind of like a boiling pot of water. And the more you keep and press that lid on, the more you hold it on, the the more mess it makes, right? It's going to boil over until finally the lid blows off. So what's important (laughs) in a relationship is being able to go to your partner and say, hey, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed. And so we're talking about the inside experience of what's happening for ourselves rather than going into more of a critical space or a defensive space. The critical space often sounds like you never help out. You always go outside to cut the grass right? So I'm talking in definitives. I'm I'm looking at the other person and their and what they're doing. I'm labeling them, criticizing their personality even. Yeah. And that that naturally doesn't help our partners hear what we need because then now they're defensive. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And and who wouldn't, right? Right, right. And And I'm like sitting here because I'm like, we just like had one of these where, you know, it's like, Um, My husband is working from home today, orders lunch, goes outside, gets the lunch from the delivery man, drops it on the counter and goes back to his office to work. Here I am in like major two toddler tantrum, like meltdown, the baby needs fed and I'm starving. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting here like nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about my needs. I'm hungry. I still have to feed the baby, get these toddlers fed. I want to eat before my food gets cold. And like, what in the world? So then there's like the blow up. Your numbers are low, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? And so I think, and I think so many of us have the lawnmower situation where 
I'm the default parent. This isn't fair. And do you think that having these conversations in the check-in or in the moment is going to be better for your relationship? Do you think that there needs to be like a cooling off period or do you feel like we need to like nip this in the butt? I think it depends on who you are and what's going yeah. on for you in that moment. Yeah. So for couples, if they are, you know, in that moment where you're hungry and you just gone <laughs> upstairs, you know, chances are your resources are low. It's kind right. of like your cell phone battery, right? You're not going to dump on a Zoom call when your cell phone battery is at 5% because it's not going to go well. Right. So you need to plug yourself in, get some lunch. Yeah do some self-reflection. I think a lot of what happens in relationships is that we have an idea of what our own triggers are and that we spend time reflecting on why are we reacting a certain way? What's happening inside of me right now? What is it that I need? Is this really about my partner or is it something that's going on inside of me? Yeah. Right. And so doing some of that self-reflection, taking a pause before going back together is really important because you can imagine that moment it, you know, oh, you, you're so selfish. You always think of yourself. I'm starving here. You know, I don't know what you said. Yeah, yeah. That's often what happens. And the yeah. important thing about relationships, and I hear all kinds of stories. It's not, you know, it could be about how you chop the carrots. It could be yeah. about, you know, did you line up the shoes or, you know, you just so happened to trip over a shoe, which on, on some days, it doesn't even matter. But right. on other days, it is kind of the straw that breaks the camel back. And it's, it's just a perfect explore. storm. It's a perfect storm. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Absolutely. I know. And I think, you know, a lot of us have like these resentment pieces in the postpartum period where you've got hormones going on, you've got a lack of sleep, you're exhausted, you've got this tiny baby that's just taking it all out of you. Um, and then like on top of this, you know, you've got some of this resentment stuff But then we're also, I think, in this postpartum period, the intimacy is hard. And especially for breastfeeding moms, I think, maybe that's not even fair. Maybe, you know, I think probably all moms. There is the hormonal component that you are breastfeeding, that you are more likely to feel lower desire. You will have increased dryness, which also doesn't necessarily lead to desire and arousal. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Absolutely. So there is the physiological component that we want to think about. But in in general, uh, we often view postpartum um, or healing even as ending at six weeks. I can't tell you the number of women that have used the six week <laughs> mark of like, well, I should I know. be returning to having intercourse now. Because we go to that six-week checkup and they're like, let's talk about birth control. And I'm like, for what? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so it gives this impression that you should be having sex at six weeks. Right. And it it really misses that intimacy is multifaceted and that there are all kinds of components that go into intimacy within a relationship. And so even if I kind of go back to your question there, should I do it in the moment or wait? If you can wait and have that conversation, you may be building emotional intimacy as well when you can share those emotions with your partner where you can share the inside stuff of I'm feeling overwhelmed. That That's a way of building emotional intimacy or, oh, I was, you know, thinking about us as a family and how amazing and also hard it is to be with kids. That's emotional yeah. intimacy. So if we yeah. think of having those regular check-in meetings, then we're also building that emotional intimacy, which is kind of the broader piece of 
are you having sex or not? AKA, are you having a penis and vagina for heterosexual relationships, right? Like, is it a yes or no versus there are all kinds of other factors to intimacy. Yeah. And so you have this great intimacy um, workshop. Mm -hmm, My webinar. Your webinar. And what are you helping couples do in the webinar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this webinar I built out of all of the questions I was getting from women and mothers. So it's not just for mothers, but I I geared it for women because the issues are the same. And the intention behind the webinar is to really help women see what the roadblocks are for them, what stops them from building intimacy with their partner and helps them to redefine what intimacy is. Because again, we narrowly define what it looks like. And then really those strategies of what you can start to do to nurture this part in your life instead of it just being a, um, I don't want to, you know, and a common thing I hear from women in this stage is I don't even want to hug right now because if he hugs, again, I'm talking about heterosexual relationships, but if he, if he comes to hug me, I think he wants sex. I just can't bear to have to say no again. And, And it's about empowering women to find, um, you know, what, what's pleasurable, what's enjoyable, and also the pathway of how to do that. So let me give a little bit of information for your listeners, because I think this is really important. Um, We often think that we should just be ready and and desirous for sex. And when you first get together... That's often the case, right? The thought that your partner's coming to the door to pick you up, you feel really excited. That's spontaneous desire. Yeah. And what we know is that over time in our relationship, that spontaneous desire fades. It's part of that earlier stage, you know, the honeymoon stage, or um, it's also referred to as like the limerent stage. It can be between six months to a year, maybe two years, but often not that long. And so spontaneous desire is, this is exciting. This is new. um, We're discovering things. This is great. But then as relationships go on, And as challenges come up, so stress challenges, um, difficulties with families and with in-laws, financial work uh, issues, and then you throw in kids. Kids. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really hard then to tap into that spontaneous desire. And so what research has actually shown is that um, there's another pathway and it's called responsive desire. Yeah. And responsive desire says, if we're going to get into bed and we will lay beside each other with our bodies just touching each other, and if I stay focused and present on what that feels like, then I'm more likely to want to engage in any kind of intimacy, physical intimacy, intercourse or outer course with my partner. Yeah. So that, that is responsive desire. So we're responding to something. And so there's this great research by a psychiatrist in BC, um, her name's Besson, and she has actually developed this model to desire. And what she has found is that unlike men who tend to go through more of the typical um, medical model that we understand, which is the desire leads to arousal, leads to orgasm, (laughs) resolution. (laughs) Instead, what she finds is it's not linear, it's it's circular. And that desire is actually the side effect um, of lovemaking or of having sex. It's not so desire is not the cause. It doesn't lead you, but it's actually something that builds after. And there are all kinds of other factors that lead women to want to have intercourse or to be sexual with their partner. So things like physical intimacy. Are we hugging? Are we kissing? Do we hold hands? Does that feel good? Emotional intimacy. Are we talking about stuff that's good? 
Are we talking about stuff that's hard? Are we sharing our feelings? And then other things like how is our social support? How is the quality of touch between us? How, you know, is there a laundry basket on the bed? How are stresses? And then all of this leads us to be open to a sexual experience. And then that sexual experience leads a woman to build that desire, which then leads her to want to go through that cycle again. Yeah. So how do you help, I guess, like these postpartuming moms who are feeling touched out? Mm -hmm. Like, I just can't, I don't want to, you know, I hear from so many of my followers every week, like these, these questions. And I think, you know, it's very normal. Like we're all kind of going through this. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely normal and common. Right, right, right. And, you know, we just talked about like the six week mark. It's not long enough. (laughs) (laughs) But when, when is, when is like the time to kind of start exploring this? How do I get back there? Maybe I'm having some of these pain, the pain um, of postpartum. And how do I navigate that with my partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I would definitely start first by exploring what does sex mean right. and that we need to broaden that definition. And that oftentimes I say to women, take take the act of intercourse off the table for the first year. Yeah. And that way there's no pressure because if there is pressure to engage in something, it's like carrying a backpack of bricks and it's impossible to want to do that. So take the pressure off. I mean, whatever that looks like, whether it's a year, six months, but listening to your body and knowing that. And then that means let's tap into some other things that feel good. Emotional yeah. intimacy can can be in your relationship all throughout that right at the start, sharing the hard stuff, sharing yeah. the good stuff. And you know, I think sometimes women will say, I don't want to tell my partner how hard it is during the day with baby because they've just had a hard day at work. And what I encourage them to do is, but you need to share that with them. So first they know what it's like to to be with baby all day, but also so you can feel close and get that support. You need to be able to support each other and build that emotional intimacy. So that would be first. Um, The other thing that I would say is work on physical intimacy. That are you still hugging each other? Do you hold each other, right? And sometimes with pregnancy, it gets to be uncomfortable or when you're healing, it's not something that you necessarily want to do, but we still need to make sure we're nurturing the other parts of touch. Touch releases oxytocin, which we know also too, because when you're breastfeeding, that releases oxytocin, which is the cuddle hormone, which connects and bonds you with baby. But you also have that with your partner. And I know for many moms, what they'll say is I feel so touched out. Absolutely. Because you are getting that that physical intimacy and the emotional intimacy in a way, you're getting that filled up with your child. Right. And and it's really safe in some ways and very comfortable. (laughs) And so sometimes when a mom says, I'm feeling touched out, I'll also talk about, well, let's talk about your self-care. And are you looking after you? Are you making sure you're having lunch before the kids have lunch so that you're not reaching that boiling point? That is where you're like, I need to flip (laughs) my my thing for sure. I always am like, you know, I'm trying to get them to eat so that then they can nap and then it'll be like my self time and I can eat a hot meal and I can like enjoy myself with nobody running around. 
but then nobody naps at the same time and you're just like burn out and then your husband walks through the door and you're like a crazed person yeah yeah absolutely and so you're just like setting yourself up for failure so I totally agree I think like that self-care piece and really like checking in on what is working so that you're not this crazed person when your partner walks through the door so that you do have the opportunity for connection otherwise like you're kind of setting yourself up for failure so what do you, can I, can I put you on the spot? What, what do no, you, you can put me on the spot. What do you do for <laughs> self-care? Because I know you, that that word is such a tough one. I like the word resourcing. Like how am I charging? How am I plugging myself in? Yeah. What do you, what are those micro moments? Because you're busy. You were with the kids. I am. I am. And I'm going to be completely honest. Like right now in a pandemic, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Um, I think that now that my kids are going to go back to school, um, I have a little bit of childcare at my disposal right now. <laughs> um, but like during those pandemic months, you know, I was at home with a third grader, two toddlers. And when we went into lockdown, Fitz was seven weeks old. Yes. Yeah, like there was no self-care and I was like drowning, you know what I mean? And I'm like, And I'm in a co-parenting relationship with my oldest, his Mm -hmm. father. Um, And then I'm married to my husband and we have the three. Mm -hmm. And there was many times when I would like kind of have this mom meltdown of I've got two dads in the mix and I don't feel like I have any help at all right now. You know, like, what are you dads doing? Mm -hmm. And instead of, you know, having the come to Jesus moment of, okay, let's like sit around and like talk about our feelings and what's going on and, you know, that I'm very overwhelmed right now, you know, and I'm also postpartuming, I'm healing, you know? So there was like this whole thing going on. Um, But it was really hard to communicate that. And I think, you know, And I think that a lot of postpartum moms kind of feel like that where it is hard to like communicate how you're feeling because sometimes it's hard to like put the words to how you're feeling, you know? And I think like myself, I'm a mental health clinician as well. And I still like struggle with this sometimes mm-hmm. because we're not, I feel like, struggling. Right? <laughs> we're, not, we're not at all. I know you posted about that not too long ago. Um, But, you know, like I'll kind of go through some anxiety stuff at times. But if you walk into a doctor's office, I'll get the, well, you don't look like, you know, you have anxiety. Uh You're like keeping up pretty well. And, you know, but I feel like I overperform when I'm anxious. And that's not healthy either. (laughs) Being able to check off everything on your to-do list isn't always helpful. Because you can only go for so long at that rate. And and that's the other thing too, is for the moms who are doing that, you have to ask yourself, what's the cost of me continuing to go at this rate and not offload it? I think you said something really important, Abby, that a lot of people can relate to. And that is that I don't always know what I'm feeling or, or what I need. And, you know, I think sometimes even just having a backup list can be really helpful. Like, you know, I need, I need a 20 minute shower with nobody knocking on the door. Right. I need to go yeah. for a walk around the block for 10 minutes. These, these small yeah. things that you can yeah. do and not not ask for permission to do it because, you know, my partner didn't ask for permission to cut the grass. Right. I know. But to I know. allow yourself to just say, I need 20 minutes. 
for myself, no interruptions. Yeah. I'll see you in a little bit. Yeah. And, and trusting that your partner is just as capable as you are to care yeah. for our kids and to be there and to, right, to be that co-parent to partner. Like I say to my toddlers, your dad is a capable human. You can go ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that can be a, a really important way to recharge. And I think in some regards that when women or even men, whoever it is in a relationship, if they're looking for intimacy, if they're looking for for sex, then I also want to say, okay, but how are some of the other things being looked after? And we need to make sure that those things are being looked after before you add on something else because sex is a vulnerable experience and then yeah. it takes energy and your time and emotions. And it's important that you are also being looked after before you can then give that to somebody else. I think that that is really important, what you just said. I really, really like that. (laughs) Like, like, I just, like, want to sit in that for a minute. Like, it's hard. Yeah, it's it's really hard. It's really hard. And it's hard to communicate that at times, I think, like, you know, or to, like, stand up for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that we're still kind of stuck in this mom is the default parent a lot of the times. And... To say, I'm going to go take a shower instead of, hey, can I go and take a shower? Can you watch the kids for a couple minutes and not have to ask for permission? You know, I think that that's really important to do. The other piece with that too is, hey, I'm going to go take a shower. Okay, I've got baby (laughs) bottles here. And then I have the spit up blankets here. And then I also prepared your lunch. So you're good. And I'm going to go have a shower. So it's, it's like some, the mental load thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it is exhausting. We, we sabotage ourselves, right? Or we we create yeah. some of the load ourselves by mm. not um, by struggling in a way to step back, right? Of yeah. being able to step back and say, my partner is just as capable as I am, and yeah. they can do those things the same way I can, or in yeah. their own way, which is going to be just good enough as well. Right. Yeah. And that I love the idea of being able to let your partner fail a little. Yeah. And that that's we fail, you know, I'm like, I have days when I'm crashing and burning and like not doing it all great, you know, and yeah, I think you agree. They can do it too. They absolutely (laughs) That's how you learn, right? Or I don't know, it's just life. But no, to kind of go back to what I'm doing for self-care, not enough. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think many of us can relate to that right now, and it's really hard to yeah. even put that in. It, it, it's <laughs> it's been really hard. <laughs> Not enough. Um, I don't know, but you know, I think that for me, I get my bucket filled when I'm having conversations like this. Like my podcast is a form of self care. I think for me, um, I stepped away from doing therapy full time when I had Josie. The girls are 15 months apart. Yeah. And I'm like, how am I going to work full time and do two under two in a big kid? It's just like not feasible. Mm-hmm. So I stepped away. I went very part time. Um, and then I had fits and I've been on an extended maternity leave because of COVID with him. Um, so, you know, I'm not even like away from them. Um, so being able to kind of plug into my podcast, have yeah. conversations, I'm like, this is a form of self-care for me. You know, it's intellectually like stimulating for me and I need it. You know, Mm -hmm. I loved like, I loved grad school. I loved being in grad school. I loved like 
those just like engaging conversations and learning and just like all of that. I love the Mimosas with Moms platform where I'm connecting with other moms and you're empowering. I love that. Um, So I don't know. I think that for me, you know, we always say like the beginning of the year is January 1st. But for me, I feel like the beginning of the year is when the kids go back to school because mm-hmm. then like the, the routine gets back in and, you right. know, like things get better. Um, so my kids are going back to the classroom. Mm-hmm. Who knows if it's going to pan out? Who knows how long it's going to last? <laughs> but for me, I'm like, over that, right? right we just have right. to go moment to moment and be, right. Right, be, be willing to say, okay, today, Today, this is like what we're doing for me before the kids are home again. Right. So for me, I'm like, you know, looking forward to it. And I'm like, not going to sit in my like fear and anxiety, like bubble that I will kind of like struggle being in with COVID. But I'm going to just like give it up and I'm going to go forward because I thrive on routine and I thrive on like having these times for myself and these pockets for myself and plugging in with different women and different moms. Um, So there's going to be more opportunities for that for me. And then hopefully, you know, that'll spill over into my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. And I think a lot of us like with COVID, especially it's been, it's been a hard year. For moms, for marriages, for people, it's been really hard. What have some of like the conversations you've been having with couples been like during COVID? Uh, the same thing. It, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. It's so, hard. so for some, they have found this renewal. They have found a strengthening. Yeah. that yeah. the busyness of parenthood has been taken out. So, yeah. you know, you think of all of the time that you spent commuting that yeah. was taken away. So that's extra time for the family as together going slower. Yeah. Um, some people have talked about kind of being a little more present with what they're doing, although lots of stress going on, but they're not just in the rat race about, okay, I'm here, yeah. I'm here, and that's important. Um, but yeah. then other couples are struggling that this is, there are just so many demands and we're not talking about the changes that we're going through. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is that some of the stuff that was there before, if it was kind of simmering before, it's like in a yeah. full, it's a full boil now. That, yeah. Um, and we've seen this even with some of the celebrity divorces as well. I mean, right. it's only speculation about what's happening, but that, you know, yes, we are in a pandemic. That doesn't necessarily mean that all of the struggles we were having before just disappear. <laughs> in fact, they can be made worse. And so yeah, then I think that they're probably magnified. Yeah. But you, you touch yeah. on an important piece, though, and that I think it's about prioritizing. So the question you mm-hmm. asked earlier was, you know, what, what can women start to do? And the piece around prioritizing intimacy in our relationships is really important because if it's not us at the bottom of the list, it's our relationship. And a lot of our intimacy, our energy goes towards our children rather than being able to say, you know, just as an example, you know, okay, go, go have screen time for 30 minutes, go and watch that. And then you and me, we sit down together on the couch, no screens. We'll sip our coffee because it's hot and (laughs) we'll talk, right? And we'll nurture each other. Or we wait for intimacy to happen at 9 p.m. at night where there is no energy left for that. And we also know that men have higher testosterone levels in the morning. So we'll be more likely to stay awake and alert in the morning if they're having intercourse rather than falling asleep afterwards at the end of the day (laughs) or not having energy. Um, 
which I know also creates challenges in terms of scheduling and when children wake up. But the most important thing is, are you prioritizing this um, as something that's important in your relationship? And again, that doesn't mean you need to schedule sex two times a week. It means, okay, Friday night, the kids go to bed and we intentionally put our phones away. No devices. We sit on the couch or we play a board game or we open our favorite bottle of whatever, our favorite cheese. And yeah. you you prioritize that time together and right. you talk. And even if it feels like you know, the common thing I know moms will say is, well, I've got nothing. I'm with baby all day. That's yeah. okay. Ta- talk about hopes and dreams and wishes. Talk about what it feels like to miss this other part of you, right? That there can be anything or talk about the events in the world or take a course together. There are so many online courses that you can do and build that newness for you and your relationship. But the important thing there is that you're prioritizing and you're scheduling it. Otherwise, we know just like going to the gym or working out, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Ours our like time for connection right now has been like day dates because... I am just like so tired. So it's like by the end of the day, I have nothing for my relationship. Like there's zero (laughs) percent. I I love day dates. I I think fantastic. And if there's someone who goods in the morning or in the afternoon, it just gives you so much more energy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm able to like, you know, get some childcare during the day and we'll He'll take a long lunch one day and we'll go and do something fun. Um, and it is, it's like, it's work mm-hmm. to kind of plan your conversations so that it's not just going over like your to-do list. Yes. Because I do think it's important not to be just, okay, so I'm worried about this. We need to do this. And what are we going to do about school? What are we going to do about this? You know, cause like that is not connecting to me. And one of our big things, we love to like relive great past experiences. (laughs) We love to like go back and be like, oh my gosh, like we were so crazy back then. Like, do you remember like what we were doing before all the kids came? Like, oh my goodness. Like, can you even imagine if we were doing that now? You know, and we love to like go back and relive those moments. And it is, it's like really fun. And we just like laugh and there will be different memories that, He'll remember and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even remember that. Yeah. Or he'll remember like certain parts of the memory that I won't remember. And I'll be like, oh, like that's so cute that you remember that, you know? And I just, I love that. So you're really building the foundation in your relationship yeah. house, right? That those right. are the stories that make you guys who you are. Right. And then you're re- retelling them and re-experiencing those feelings again of like, right, this yeah. is how we're connected. These are the things right. that fill us up. This is the story of us. And it's so important to be able to do that. How do you guys feel after, after your day dates? Better, more full, Mm -hmm. more connected for sure. Yeah. And like, you can tell when it's been too long, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. (laughs) You can tell when it's like boiling over and you're like, I think that really what we're doing, and that was like one of my questions from a follower was how do like when you're having these moments of conflict, instead of isolating and like, oh, man, I'm mad at you. I'm pulling out like, see you later. How instead of doing that, do we reach out for connection? Because I think it is really common or like natural almost that when you're angry, you like turtle. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm out of here. Uh When really what you need is each other. Yeah. 
you know? And so like, like we kind of said before, maybe there should be some of that cooling off time, yeah. but then like coming back to each other. And, and again, there's that piece of understanding what's happening for you. What right. is it that's going on for you? Are you overwhelmed with things? Are things stressful for you? Are you sharing those things with your partner? And then if not, let's go back to your partner. And again, the the strategy I love to use when it comes to communication is very much a we strategy. So, you know, it, you know, we haven't had time together. We're getting yeah. on each other's nerves. Uh, have you noticed this? Right. And it, it's very much a curiosity and it's a yeah. willingness to be open to talk about that with your partner. Um, and then just being able to say like, what can we do together? Do you have any ideas of what we should do? Yeah. And, and really being a team of how to, how can we solve this together? Yeah. I, I think one of the things it would be amiss if I didn't talk about it, it that's important to consider is about our our security and trust in a relationship. Yeah. And and that is that we need our partners to be emotionally available to us, to be accessible, so that when we turn to them and we say, I'm worried about something, they don't just kind of say, Oh, it's nothing, don't worry about it, or they're on their phones. Um, we need to make sure our partners will respond to us and yeah. that they're also engaged with us. And what that means is that they're willing to turn to you and say, yeah, I worry about that too. Or they share their own vulnerabilities with you. And so yeah. this is the ARE conversation. Dr. Sue Johnson talks about this in her book, Hold Me Tight. She's the uh, co-creator of Emotionally Focused Couples Therapy, which really focuses on we all have these core emotions that yeah. we're not sharing with our partner, these core attachment needs and longings that we don't share with our partner, but instead we show the upstairs stuff. And that's the stuff that we cycle in and we get stuck in the anger, the yeah. frustration, and that, you know, one partner will, will blame and get critical, but the other partner either might up the ante or they withdraw because they're trying to create safety and space. But what right. happens underneath that is that partners are longing for connection. They're yeah. longing to know that they are important to their partner and they just don't know how to do that or to have the words to do that. So instead, yeah. they say, well, you never spend time with me. You're always on your phone instead of a, wow, I feel really lonely. I really need us to have time together. Yeah. I, need, I need a date night tonight. Can we put the phones away and just focus on each other? Yeah. And that's about building that security together. And, you know, isn't it, like, crazy that it just sounds so easy? Oh, yeah. Of course. Like, I know what I mean. You're like, easy. this is not easy stuff. But you just, like, kind of have to, like, get out of your own way sometimes and just, like, say what you need. It, it's hard. And, and I think that's it's a hard. caveat to what we're talking about. It's <laughs> so easy to sit here on a podcast <laughs> and say, we need to talk about our core needs and longings. And a lot of people will say, I don't know what they are. I don't know what they are. And, and that's okay. Because we often don't talk about that. And yeah. the other thing, Abby, is that people wait so long before they do anything for their relationship. You can have a book. Um, I have a membership space where I teach women and couples how to improve their relationship because I know yeah. that this is something that they struggle with. So each month, yeah. give them a monthly lesson where I show them how you can do this, recognizing what kind of dance you get in, your tactic yeah. style, that's all in there. But do something for your relationship. And, and 
I recognize that couples therapy takes a lot of time. It yeah. can be expensive and our partners may not be interested in it, but right. don't wait until you're at the point where resentment is so heavy and you're ready to separate. That is right. the hardest time to go for couples therapy or any kind of right. support because it's, you know, you've been doing this for a long time and you're entrenched and stuck in this stuff. Well, and then there's probably just so much, I don't know, just like stuff, stuff that you have like against each other. You know what I mean? So much stuff. It's, yeah, it, it's, yeah. I mean, you can call it's it hard. baggage. You can call it baggage. Stuff. It's the resentment. Yeah. It's the layers yeah. in there that yeah. we keep pushing it to the side. It doesn't go anywhere. It stays in there. And then it continues to erode at the health of our relationship and and create that distance. And I think like, you know, all of us probably just don't want to get to the end of like this parenthood journey and then look at them like, who are you? Right. (laughs) You know, we haven't connected in 20 years. Now who are you? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, do we still have the same interests? Like outside of the kids, what? do we have, uh-huh. you know, and I think that it's really important to keep each other throughout this like parenthood journey. Cause it is like really hard to, it's hard to not lose yourself. Yeah. And I, I think it's really hard not to lose each other in it. You know, if you're not doing the work. And, and it's important to acknowledge that you're going to struggle. It's okay to have these hard times. Everybody right. has had hard times in their relationships, but that you are continuing to put trust in each other, that you are continuing to deposit into your relationship and not elsewhere. Um, And that knowing that you will work through it or you you get help to help you work through it. And one of the things too is, you know, showing this kind of sense of friendship for each other, this yeah. sense of appreciation. I have people often asking, where do I start? This is just so hard. You know, we've the, the divide between us is so large. Where do we start to do this? And there's right. two things. One, when you have dinner, make sure you're having dinner together or breakfast, yeah. whatever it is. Um, and start by sharing one emotion a day. And yeah. You can share, you know, you can look up the emotion wheel and you can start finding different emotions. You know, if you feel frustrated, you might see like actually frustration can also lead into disappointment or rejection, right? Um, So you look at that and you say, I felt frustrated today. And the job of your partner is to help you understand that emotion just to see it. Oh, you felt frustrated. Tell me more about that. What were you doing when you felt frustrated? What thoughts did you have? What were you reminded of? What did you want to do? What were you not able to do? So you're trying to understand your partner's one emotion without trying to problem solve. So that's one exercise I give to couples right away. But the other one is to start building a sense of appreciation. Thank you for getting me that glass of water. Um, Something small, right? You picked up the kids today. I appreciate that you did that. It meant that I didn't have to do it. Or thank you for clearing the table. Just something small doesn't have to be big. I think that's so much of like happiness is just centered in gratitude. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. You know, and just like, I don't like believe that we can really have true like joy in our life without gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast recently. Um, it was a professor, a researcher from at Stanford. And he was talking about actually the changes in our brain that even after a really stressful day or a stressful moment, shifting into gratitude changes the chemicals in the brain. 
And so being able to say, I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for the children. I'm grateful I get to do this. That right. can be really powerful for us. It's not a fix all. It's not to say like you dismiss all the other hard stuff. <laughs> right. But we have to shift how we view things and how right. we think about things. Yeah. I totally agree. And then I think that, you know, just like think about like yourself, like you want to be seen by your partner. You want to be valued, you know, so like showing that gratitude to them and them showing that you, their gratitude towards you, mm-hmm. you know, like it's filling each other's cups and it's creating joy for each other. Yeah. You know, women will often powerful say, stuff. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so women yeah. will often say, well, my partner doesn't want to change. They're not doing anything different. And yeah. I talk to them about how important it is that we start to change. We can change for us. And the question is, how do I want to show up in this yeah. relationship? Because we know that when one person changes, the other person will start to change over time. They might be confused at the start and say, oh, you're not being so critical anymore. But over time, <laughs> the defensiveness that they show will also change. Right. And so right. we can empower change just simply by the things that we're doing and how we show up in our relationship. I love that. So Tracy, tell my listeners and followers where they can find you. Yes. I like to hang out on Instagram. It has become such a beautiful community. I love when the followers reach out to me. There's so many women that send me questions. I answer a question yeah. on my blog every Friday. Um, that's Dr.TracyD or my website, drtracyd.com. You can find me there. I have a blog with lots of resources. I have some free downloads that you can also access and then just check out my podcast there as well. Yeah. And then where's your webinar at? My webinar. Is that on your website? Yeah. Yeah. So everything's there. So drtracyd.com forward slash intimacy. It's all there, but the best way is find me on Instagram. Send me yeah. a hello. Let me know that you <laughs> tuned in. And also just click click the link there to find some other things. Yeah. And your Instagram is just changing so many people's lives. The content that you are creating, it's important. Thank you for your labor of love on there. Oh, thank you. You know, I know that you are putting so much work into it and it is appreciated. So thank you. And thank you for joining me on the Mimosas with Moms podcast. Make sure that you go follow Dr. Tracy and cheers to a more intimate relationship. (laughs) Thank you, Abby, for having me here. Thanks.